You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Lisa Keefe, editor in chief of Meeting Place and Alt Meat. Welcome to the first of our Meeting Pod episodes dedicated to the exploding meat alternatives market. Every day, it seems another plant-based product is introduced. Most of these meat analog innovations have sprung from the creative minds of scientists looking to make a better burger or faux chicken nugget. Their challenge since then has been to build demand for their products. Australia's V2 Food, on the other hand, has flipped that process on its head. Founded less than two years ago, V2 is the result of a collaboration between Jack Cowan, who owns the Burger King franchise in Australia, and Australia's highly regarded National Science Agency. Jack wanted a plant-based burger on the menu of his restaurants, and he wanted to make it Australian. V2 Food now makes the patties for the so-called Rebel Whopper sandwich sold nationwide down under. V2 Food's initial funding round raised 35 million Australian dollars for the company in December of 2019. A second round of financing in October of last year raised another $77 million. Second round investors included Goldman Sachs and Timasek Holdings, an investment company owned by the government of Singapore. Timasek is invested in a number of alternative meat companies all over the globe. I spoke with Nick Hazel, V2 Foods co-founder and chief executive officer, about the qualities that set his company apart from the competition in an industry sector that's getting increasingly crowded. Can you tell me about V2's story? Now, I know what I can read on the website, which is kind of the basic, here's our origin story. Give me the backstory behind that story, a little color commentary, if you will. We formed the company on January the 17th of 2019, which is a date that's branded into my memory because that's the date that the Eat Lancet report came out. So talk about serendipity. I was in San Francisco at the time. That's one of the alt-protein conferences there. The company was started and I was feeling deeply jet-lagged and very uncomfortable and also a bit disconcerted by the fact that I think I was the only non-vegan out of the 200 CEOs that were assembled there. And it really got me thinking about what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Is the problem that there aren't enough vegans in the world or is the problem that we need to have sustainable food and a sustainable food system? And obviously, one is a very small slice of the problem. If everybody was vegan, then yes, we would probably solve the existential problem we've got. But there's a pretty tough ask, given that half the planet is vegan and aspiring to eat meat. They they can't eat meat because they haven't got the money. And as soon as they get the money, they will eat meat. A lot of the teaching that I did was all around human-centered design, which essentially tells you don't do what people tell you they want watch them, see what they really want, and fit products and solutions to how we really are as opposed to how we would like us to be. And, you know, we're all flawed characters doing things that stimulate our reptilian brain and give us dopamine. And however much we wish we were better, we're not. So let's design food that works with who we are. And that's kind of what V2 is about. The name V2 is actually saying the food system, as it's currently designed, is not useful for a planet with 10 billion people. It just doesn't work. And given that we're still going to have 10 billion people or 9.7 billion people by 2050, we'd better design a food system that actually is consistent with that 
and consistent with the fact that we're getting richer and that we want to eliminate poverty and all the rest of it. So what is the food system that is consistent with that? And we better design that food system. It's not one that exists in nature. It's one we're going to have to design. I want to go back a little bit to what you were saying in terms of doing, you did two months of due diligence to see what the opportunities were in the space. And I was thinking, I was going to ask about this because even at the end of 2018, as you were preparing this, there was no shortage of people getting into the space. In fact, it's dizzying trying to keep track of all of the companies that are getting started. So what did you see? What did your due diligence show you that made you believe that there was going to be an opportunity for a company like yours in this space? If you ask the consumer today, why are you buying alternative meat? The primary reason probably is something to do with health, at least in Australia. If you ask that question about meat eating in general, then price and availability are the two most important things. So when you put all those things together, you can see that there is absolutely an opportunity for somebody who can have affordable and available wherever you buy meat, which is sustainable. And focusing on sustainability, I would absolutely bet that if that's reason number three today, Tomorrow, that'll be reason number one, and that will just keep going as more and more people become aware of the sustainability crisis that we are in at the moment. The main question for me was around whether or not we could scale so that we could actually make a difference. That was, in my head, could I imagine a business that could actually scale quickly within the next few years so that we could make a material difference? Because we have this feeling that we don't have that many years left to play around here. We actually have to get somewhere big in the next sort of five years. And I think working through our business model, the fact that we're not necessarily vegan means that we can work with partners in the supply chain. That's also an opportunity to get to a business model, which essentially is cheaper than meat. Are you at that point yet? No, we're line priced. So when we make the Whopper for Burger King, it's on the menu for the same price as the Whopper. That's our first product off pilot plant, etc. We certainly have a route forward to being cheaper. Australia is famous for sustainable, great tasting beef. And we're Australian plant-based beef. It's coming from the same stable, if you like. And I think that that's very much our positioning. But what's interesting is the growth in meat consumption that we're all worried about when we talk about how many planets do we need to feed 10 billion people. Well, it's not high-end steak in Chicago that we're worried about. Let's face it, American meat consumption is going down, as is Australian meat consumption anyway. It's developing markets where meat consumption is going up. So ultimately, we need to be able to provide really aspirational plant-based meat that people in Australia and in the US love, but actually get it to developing markets. And that means that it's gonna be cheap. So what kind of an environment is it for startup companies in Australia? I mean, do you have an infrastructure that is very friendly and it's easy to get started and scale up? It's a pretty friendly place for startups. It doesn't have the ecosystems that you have in California, for example, where you don't have to go very far and you've got 100 venture capital firms who are interested in listening to you. So there it's more mature, but it's happening in Australia as well. What's interesting about Australia is it has a very, very strong regulatory system. It's very well trusted for food safety and food quality around the world. But my view is it's an appropriately strong. It's not burdensome, but it is strong. And that's a good thing because it means that Australia has a very envied reputation for food safety and quality, which is underpins its brand with exports. So I think it's an appropriate science-led environment, which is quite good for food innovation. 
can you explain to me why V2's product is unique and it's better than some of these better known competitors that have done a lot more marketing at this point? How do you put your product together in such a way that even you can't tell if you're eating conventional meat or V2 product? I think that, first of all, we're not there yet. Let's be really clear. I think, given that we've been working on this now for 18 months or so, I think we can get a lot better. So the thing about plant-based meat is that we're not limited by the genetics of the animal that you kill in order to improve the product. It's actually something that we formulate and we can get, as we get better and better at understanding the chemistry, understanding the interactions when you cook the product, we will improve. So already what we're selling now is a lot better than what I launched six months ago. The character is the same, but it's better. And what I'm going to be doing in January will be better still. And I'm sure that we'll come up with other unlocks every six months that will just improve it a little. And I think that that's the journey that we're going to be on. I don't think it's ever going to stop. There is no limit really to how good we can be. And I think there's also, we're not limited by beef. I think that we can make beef that's tastier than beef. That sounds a bit weird, but if you take a piece of meat and you cook it yourself, or I cook it for you, let's take me because I'm sure you're a brilliant chef, but if I cook it for you or I give it to a brilliant chef and cooks the same piece of meat, they will get a lot more out of that piece of meat than I will. The downside is, is if you are a terrible cook and when you cook mince and you end up boiling it rather than browning it, you probably don't get a good result. So you could foolproof it if you want to, but actually what we're trying to do is we're just going to try and take the meat out of the equation. And most people do know how to cook a few things quite well. We want to be able to fit into that equation. And all you do is you just take out the meat and put in us in its place and do your favorite recipe. And when I was working in the food industry, developing products, it was completely clear to me that particularly when it came to main meal, you pretty much go back to what you know. Your favorite seven dishes are probably the same favorite seven dishes that your mum used to cook and probably the grandma before that. So don't try and do something that's different. Try and fit in with what people like to eat. And that way, I think, is a way to get to scale. Otherwise, you're going to be a niche. We're really scared of becoming a profitable, small niche. We want to be mainstream. Nick had a lot more to say about related alt-protein issues in our interview. We couldn't include them all here, but you can read the full interview in our February 2021 issue of Altmeat Magazine. To subscribe to the magazine and to our weekly newsletter called Alt-Meat News, go to our website at alt-meat.net. Until next time, I'm Lisa Keefe. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.